Hi friends, happy Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday, or whatever day you're listening to this. No matter what day you stumble on this episode, I do hope it's a wonderful one. Anyways, welcome to this episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony, and I'm your host. Now, before we begin, I need to give you a major heads up. This is by far one of the hardest cases I've ever had to research and look into. Not because it's hard to find information, but because of the brutality and gruesome nature that is this case. I spend a lot of time reading and writing about the horrors of humanity. And don't get me wrong when I say this, but humans are trash. We do a lot of dark, dirty shit when we think no one's gonna know. But what happens when we do know? When we find out the horrors that others have done? Well, this case is one of those in specific. The absolute horrors that one human inflicts on another is grotesque. And this one really shook me. Now, personally, as a parent, this case breaks my heart. And it angers me, enrages me, and makes me want to hurt somebody. That somebody being Michelle Martins and a few choice others. Don't worry, I'll introduce you in a moment. However, as a parent, I'm pretty sure most parents would agree with me here. Having kids can turn your life upside down. There's no doubt about that. Now, for the better or for the worse, well, that's on you. You have to make sacrifices because you no longer come first. Mm-mm, sorry about your luck, buddy, but you got a kid. There your priority. At least, this is how it should be. But, as we all know, this is not always the case. In fact, <laughs> far from it. When a child's well-being and safety stops being a parent's top priority, the results can often be devastating and sometimes even fatal. This is exactly what happened in the case of 10-year-old Victoria Martins. Her mother, Michelle Martins, made terrible, terrible decisions. Decisions in which she failed to protect her daughter, and the situation very quickly spiraled out of control. The consequences were absolutely tragic. All right, guys, this is the case of Victoria Martins. Let's give it a go. He misses his sister a lot. He prays for her uh, every day, and uh, he always asks in church for prayers for Victoria. Everyone, let's meet Victoria Martins. Victoria was born on August 23rd in 2006. She was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her mother, Michelle Martins, was originally from the Bronx. For those of you who don't know, that's located in New York. She moved to Texas before settling in Albuquerque. The identity of Victoria's biological father is not publicly known, so I can't give you any names there. And I can't fill you in on who the man was. Victoria also had a half-brother. His name was Matthew, and he was just two years younger than her, being born in 2008. Hey, same year as my oldest son. Thankfully, Matthew was with his father at the time of Victoria's death. Seriously, thankfully. Cause if not, I could only imagine the horrors that would have befallen him. But because Matthew wasn't really around, I won't discuss him very much. The main person I'm going to focus on in this episode is Victoria and the gruesome end that Victoria faced. 
So let's head to 2016. At this time, Victoria was living with her mother. They were living at the Ario Villas apartment complex in Albuquerque's west side. Victoria was attending Petroglyph Elementary, and by all accounts, she was extremely happy. It also seemed that she had a pretty bright future ahead of her. I mean, she was only 10. She had her whole life. She loved gymnastics, she loved swimming and playing with her friends. Her favorite color was purple, and by all accounts, everyone said that Victoria was sweet and fun-loving, just the nicest little girl who was always smiling. Guys, I know I talk about a lot of murder. I talk about a lot of fucked up shit. But when I talk about kids, and especially kids that are hurt or assaulted or just Meeting brutality, it fucking breaks my heart. But when I talk about kids that meet all of this gruesome feat and their parent is involved, it doesn't just break my heart, it doesn't just make my stomach turn, it makes me fucking angry. I'm a parent, as we all know, and I could never, and I mean never, imagine hurting either of my boys. And I would kill someone if they did. Put me on record for that. Anyways, I'm sure other parents out there know exactly what I mean. And if not, <laughs> shit, maybe I do need help. Okay, back to the story. As of August 2016, Michelle Martins, you guys remember her, that's Victoria's mother. She was 35 at the time and working at her new job at the deli of Smith's Food and Drug. This is kind of like a subsidiary of the Kroger markets. If you don't know what Kroger is, think Publix. If you don't know what Publix is, think a grocery store. Basically, it's a place that you go get food and deli meats and all that good jazz. According to her parents, John and Pat Martins, Michelle worked hard and she loved her children. They also insisted that their daughter never drank alcohol or did any drugs. Cause obviously she was a good girl. Duh. In May, just three months before August, Michelle had to pass a mandatory drug test new employees are required to take in order to work at Smith's. She did pass, and she had no criminal convictions in New Mexico. So all in all, it did seem like she was a good girl. She had no issues, she wasn't in trouble with the law, and she wasn't doing drugs. However, this is why nobody could see what was coming. I do want to point out here that I don't doubt what Michelle's parents had to say. I'm sure she loved her kids. It's actually pretty clear that she loved her kids very much. However, in the month leading up to Victoria's murder, there was a lot that John and Pat did not know about. In fact, Fabian Gonzalez, who is Michelle's boyfriend, whom she had met just a month before Victoria's murder, told Michelle not to tell her parents about him. Listen, I find it a little suspicious. When you're dating somebody and you have kids, that you bring that person around your kids, but you're not allowed to tell anybody that they're around you and your children. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit like, that's a red flag, that's a red flag. Now, it did later become obvious to Pat and John that Michelle's life had spiraled out of control pretty quickly. They did end up blaming it on the people she let stay in her life and her home. Don't worry, we're gonna get there. But before we do, I need to take a break and talk about our sponsors. Sorry guys, but a girl's gotta pay her bills. And hey, if you guys really enjoy my podcast, 
please check out my sponsors. This is where you go. Ooh, ah, I can't wait to hear about them. You're in luck, because here you go. I know, I know, it's the ad reel, the dreaded part of every episode. I listen to podcasts too, I get it. However, if you're here and didn't fast forward, thank you. Thank you for showing your support for the podcast and my sponsors. Sponsors like Trails Clothing. Before I even began working with Trails Clothing, I saw them out at Rockville. Guys, their clothes are absolutely fucking amazing. And yes, I had to emphasize it just like that. Because they are. When I saw their booth, I straight up booked it across a field, ditching my friends because I saw a shirt I had to have. I met Melanie and we immediately started talking. And that's all she wrote. Now I work with the company and I adore them. Recently they sent me a little care package of some of the most adorable shirts and the cutest pair of camo shorts. Trails clothing really can appeal to anybody. Are you a little bit country? Are you a little bit rock and roll? Well, Trails clothing is the place for you. With styles ranging from graphic tees, women's bandeau tops, men's tank tops, kids t-shirts, some of the cutest and most adorable bell-bottoms I've ever seen, and so much more. Look, I'm not saying you gotta buy anything, but if you're curious, head on over to trailsclothing.com. And who knows, maybe you'll see something that you want. Or maybe you're thinking about getting something for somebody else. There really is something for everybody on there. And if you happen to find yourself in the checkout area, use my promo code HARMONY and take 15% off your purchase. That's promo code HARMONY for 15% off. And thank you again to Trails Clothing. A massive thanks goes out to them for extending such an amazing offer to all of my listeners. Again, guys, that is trailsclothing.com with my promo code HARMONY for 15% off. And seriously, guys, any of you who do head there and support me, I appreciate you. You support me every time you support one of my sponsors, allowing me to continue to create this content for you. Now, let's get back to the show. Buckle up, baby, because it's about to get bumpy. One by one, heads down, all in shackles, the three people accused of killing 10-year-old Victoria Martins made their way into the courtroom. Michelle Martins, Jessica Kelly, and Fabian Gonzalez are suspects in one of New Mexico's most horrific crimes. As they spotted friends or family members, there were plenty of tears and sighs. The grandparents of 10-year-old Victoria Martins held hands and wore pins saying, Forever Victoria. Last August, Victoria was raped, killed, dismembered, then set on fire. Victoria's mother, Michelle, is one of the suspects in this case. At first, it was quiet in the courtroom. Then, a woman who blew kisses at our photographer and gestured for Jessica Kelly to smile was kicked out. After that, Martin's defense attorney, Gary Mitchell, asked if he could sit next to his client for security reasons. Then, when the three suspects were moving out of the jury box and in front of the judge, Jessica Kelly tumbled over, and bailiffs had to help her get back on her feet. Eventually, she made her way in front of the judge, who decided all three will be tried separately. In 
March of 2016, five months before the murder, Michelle called the Children, Youth, and Families Department, otherwise known as CYFI, also known as Child Protective Services in other states. Or another term for it is DCF, Department of Children and Families. She did this to report that her boyfriend at the time, David Hernandez, had tried to kiss her daughter, Victoria. David Hernandez actually had a pretty dark history. He had a history of sexually abusing children, including several in his very own family. He also had been arrested for attempting to kidnap a four-year-old girl in 2013. However, he had never been charged for the sexual assaults. Yes, he was arrested for the attempted kidnapping. The charges were eventually dropped. It is a bit unclear if Michelle knew or how much she did know about his past, especially the predatory behavior. According to Michelle in an interview after the murder of Victoria, the CYFD referred Michelle's report to the Albuquerque Police Department, but the APD did not investigate it any further. They said that they could not take action over an attempted kiss. Quote, Unfortunately, somebody attempting to do something, such as kissing a child, is just not a crime. Okay, what? I don't know, call me crazy, but the terms kissing a child and not a crime just don't seem to mix well. They're like verbal oil and water. It just doesn't mix. Now, the person who said that quote actually got into a bit of trouble. This person was Fred Duran. And after Victoria's murder, Fred caused a scandal in the APD. Fred caused this scandal when he lied to a journalist from the Albuquerque Journal. He stated that they did in fact investigate Michelle's report. He claimed that officers went to meet with Victoria and Michelle at their home, which was absolutely false. Also want to fill you in on a little fun fact. Michelle didn't call the CYFD just one time. In 2016, she called a total of five times before Victoria's murder. It wasn't clear what exactly she was reporting each time, but the number of times she called could have been a major red flag. However, no action ever resulted from these reports. As somebody who has had to deal with filing claims with DCF against others, I can tell you the system is shit. Half the things that need to be investigated are just shoved under the rug, while other investigations are looked into on things that are false or just honestly nothing. A lot of our system in many things, be it from our child protective service to our court system is broken. But we're not gonna talk about that. I only have a little bit of time left and I would be here all day. Now, the CYFD would later conclude that after conducting an internal review, they did follow protocol. And according to them, they sufficiently investigated each report. They did state that because of this, they found no proof that any abuse or neglect had occurred. Yeah, except it had. On their part, <clears throat> sorry, again, we're not gonna talk about that. I'm sorry, I do wanna say one thing. I do feel that they could have done more. Five calls in about eight months to an agency such as them regarding a child means maybe, I don't know, do your job and investigate. It should warrant some sort of something, but it didn't. And now we're here, discussing the murder of a 10-year-old child. Not just any murder, torture, 
rape, and murder. Do I have your attention yet? Because this didn't grab the attention of the authorities until it was too late. Guys, it gets dark. And it's happening fast. Don't say I didn't warn you. Walk to my car. I, I can't do it. Walk. I, I can't. My leg's broken. Walk. Walk. I don't care if your leg's broken. You're going to walk. I can't walk, dude. Hold on. You're going to walk. My broken. I just got thrown off the fucking balcony. You didn't get thrown off. You I, jumped off. I saw you close the door. And you told me you jumped. Come on. I, I, dude, my whole leg is broke, though. Keep walking. I'm trying. Go ahead. Can you advise what we're looking at here? Male, female, class breeding? Walk. No. Female, tail. No. We gotta talk about Michelle's new boyfriend. She didn't really uh, have a shift and change of the kind of guy she went for. At least not too much of a difference from David. In July of 2016, Michelle met 31-year-old Fabian Gonzalez. She met him on the amazing, <laughs> that was sarcasm, Plenty of Fish website. Guys, POF is trash. I've had so many friends tell me some of the most grotesque horror stories about that place. If you're gonna use a dating site, please, 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 I beg of you, stay away from there. Anyways, Fabian, who was a regular methamphetamine user, you know, just a real class act guy, was also a repeat offender in New Mexico with a long criminal record. He had been charged with assault of his former girlfriend in August of 2014, and in February of 2015, he took a plea deal in which he pled guilty to two misdemeanor charges and got two years of supervised probation. His record also included a felony child abuse charge. Oh, and driving while intoxicated and resisting arrest. But those are just a few. I basically could sit here and read you a bedtime story, because he had a book. Now, I couldn't really find out what exactly happened in regards to the child abuse charge. I'm not sure if it was also a part of his plea deal or what. It doesn't seem, though, that he was a good guy. Even his friends would say that he just basically sat around the apartment and did meth. He just really aspired to be nothing but a bad person. Sorry to laugh. I, I laugh when I get uncomfortable. And this guy, he takes the fucking cake. He's a goddamn creep. And a POS. But that's just my opinion. Michelle should have been far more discerning about who she let in her home and, I don't know, maybe just around her children. But again, I'm a little biased because I'm a parent. And no fucking way would I let someone like this man around my kids. Especially after what happened with David Hernandez. Her ex. The one who tried to kiss Victoria. And also had a rap sheet. Not as extensive as Fabian's, but you know. Still, these are just, I don't know, again, red flags. I feel like in all these cases, there are so many red flags that we have to uncover as we're telling the tale of why we're here today. But I guess if the people involved saw the red flags, we wouldn't be here discussing them. Now, I don't know about you, but another red flag that I really feel like Michelle should have caught on to was the fact that Fabian did not want her parents to know about him. I don't think that Michelle was unaware of Fabian's extensive drug use. There's a chance she could have been not at home when he was in one of his sessions. Y you know, on one of his highs. The, the highs of meth. I don't actually know how you do meth, so I, I just want to say that. 
Sorry, I may be covered in tattoos, but I'm not a drug addict. I know, shock. Really hate letting down those stereotypes. It is apparent, though, that this drug does cause dangerous and violent behavior. I don't care who you are, if you're a parent, you should not allow anyone who does meth or any hard, extensive drugs around your child. Especially when they do drugs and have a history of hurting children. But again, <laughs> that's just my opinion. But no one did, and there would be more bad people entering her life. I wish I would've knew what the I was getting myself into, dog. What she got into turned out to be one of the most horrific crimes ever in New Mexico. Jessica Kelly is one of three people accused of killing 10-year-old Victoria Martins and cutting the child's body into pieces. Put me away for life. The night of the murder, police reports say Jessica was acting weird. Her cousin Fabian Gonzalez told police she was asking if he believed in Jesus and hit him in the head with an iron. I wish I would have been... In a jailhouse recorded conversation with a friend that's filled with profanity, she implies she wasn't on drugs the night of the murder. I wasn't even, like, I was like, no, nah, no, I'm not doing no shots. Police reports say another suspect in this case, Victoria's mother, Michelle, told detectives Victoria was given meth to make her relax while Jessica and Fabian Gonzalez had sex with the child. Court records show Jessica Kelly has a history of arrests involving illegal drugs. Fabian has one drug arrest, but it was dismissed. And then you're cousin, bro. What the fuck are you thinking? I don't know, dude. I don't get high to go do. I get high to tweak. <laughs> Even though three different police reports state the little girl was given meth before she died, medical examiners refute that, saying Victoria only had alcohol in her system. Jessica seems interested in what that autopsy says. Like Have you read it? Huh? The autopsy? Yeah, no. It's public. When police got to the apartment, they say they found Victoria's body on fire in the bathtub. And they say Jessica Kelly was jumping from the balcony of the apartment. I'd like to introduce you to Jessica Kelly, Fabian Gonzalez's cousin who was 31 years old. And she had just been released from prison on August 15th. Jessica had a pretty long criminal history, having been in and out of prison for over a decade. Her previous convictions include two felony drug charges and a charge of conspiracy to commit rape. And much like her cousin Fabian, she was a consistent user of meth. Fabian invited her to move into Michelle's apartment and he charged her $50 for rent. Hold up, hold on a minute, what? $50, that's the real crime here. $50? I fucking wish I could find a deal like that. I mean, leave out the meth, and, and, and the assault, and the murder, and the lighting people on fire. You know what, this is actually a really bad deal. Never mind, let's carry on. Now this little deal that Fabian had made with his cousin, yeah, well, Michelle wasn't aware of it. At least she wasn't aware of the money that was being exchanged for her to live there. No matter what the case is, this is another person that Michelle should have not allowed in her apartment, and especially around her children. Now from here, it's gonna get a bit confusing, but I'm gonna do my best to lay it out in the best way that makes sense for you. The version of what happened to Victoria on the evening of August 23rd given by Michelle Martin's two police turned out to be false. But two years passed before this huge revelation came to light. By that time, the public's view of the case was pretty set in stone. I'm not sure many people outside of New Mexico actually knew that this case was turned upside down for roughly about two years. 
In fact, I'm not sure how many of you even know of this case and just how deep and confusing it really goes. On August 23, 2016, it was Victoria's 10th birthday. John and Pat Martins described talking to Victoria on the phone that afternoon. She told them all about how her and her friends had celebrated her birthday at school. Little did they know that this would be the last time that they would speak to their granddaughter. Guys at our door saying he got beat up too bad. Oh my god. What's happening? That was hilarious. He beat up. I'm sorry? Yeah. Is it a male or a female that he's fighting with? There's two. No, there's a. Who are you fighting? Oh, there's a girl in the house. I don't know, but this girl's beating really bad. She has a little girl inside the house. How old? How old is your daughter? Ten. Oh, yeah, she's ten. Is she awake? I don't know. She doesn't know if the other individual's inside her house. Before I begin, once again, this is a trigger if you cannot handle hearing about the gruesome rape, torture, and murder of a child, this is not for you. Do not listen any further. I know this shit is tough and it is gruesome, but somebody has to be the voice of these victims. People like myself tell many others all the time of these gruesome, gruesome tales. Whether we like to know about it or not, these things happen, and oftentimes to children. So please know it gets very dark. At 4.30 on August 24th, police arrived at the Ario Villa's apartment complex after receiving calls from neighboring apartments. This was all in regard to a disturbance in Michelle's apartment. Michelle and Fabian were outside of the apartment. It appeared that they had been in some sort of physical altercation. Michelle had a deep gash on her face, and Fabian had a cut above his left eye and Jessica Kelly remained inside. When police called for her to come out, Jessica locked the door and jumped off the second floor apartment's balcony. This is when she fractured her ankle. Now, Jessica claims that this was not the case. She like slipped and fell off of the balcony somehow. And she didn't lock the door. It was already locked or something like that. I don't know, I don't know. Her stories are all over the place. Once police did apprehend all three, they entered the apartment. And this is where the brutality is. And you're absolutely right, I just said brutality because this has gruesome and brutality all about it. Therefore, we get brutality. Don't say I never taught you anything. And I don't actually think it's a word, I, I just made it up. So as police enter in this apartment, they are met with a truly horrifying scene. There was smoke coming from the bathroom, and immediately they're like, okay, we need to go investigate that. That's when they see laying inside the bathtub was the lifeless body of a little girl. This little girl would turn out to be Victoria Martins. Not only had she been set on fire, she had been dismembered and partially wrapped up in a sheet. The APD chief Gordon Eden had this to say about what he witnessed. Quote, This homicide is the most gruesome act of evil I have ever seen in all of my career. A complete disregard of human life and betrayal by a mother. I could not agree more. I know it is tough to hear me tell you some of these tales sometimes. How gruesome and, and how just absolutely heartbreaking these cases are. 
But guys, I gotta tell you, this one's, this one's really, really heartbreaking. The absolute brutal nature of what I'm about to get into is a lot, especially as a parent. I don't know if you can hear any of the change in my voice, but this case is really heavy. As a mother, I can never understand how Michelle allowed for any of this to even be close to happening. And I don't want anybody to jump into my email coming at me stating, woe is her. Because Michelle is not a victim here. The victim is Victoria. And that poor 10-year-old girl was brutally raped, tortured, and killed. And they didn't stop there. No, even once she was dead, they continued to harm her corpse. <sighs> this is why I hate people. And let's discuss more of the people that I hate. <laughs> let's continue, guys. It's gonna get worse. An emotional morning as family and neighbors woke up to news no one wants to hear. Minister Laura Bobbs says family members called her here saying her 10-year-old goddaughter was killed. She turned 10 yesterday and we were going to celebrate her birthday today after school. She planned to see the little girl after school and take her for Manny Petty's. Bobbs recalled their last phone call last night. She says, Auntie? And I said, yeah. She said, I'm turning 10, so don't buy me no toys. The girl's 13-year-old friend and neighbor tells us she was looking forward to seeing her friend after school. I think that she was thinking like she's going to wake up to like a beautiful day, get off early from school, have her birthday. But yeah, today was supposed to be her birthday party around 3. Friends, family, and neighbors are struggling to understand what and why this happened. A tragic scene police sources describe as gruesome. Who does this? Police aren't releasing details or the girl's name until they notify all of her family. But friends describe her as happy and caring. A fun-loving 10-year-old who just started the fourth grade at Petroglyph Elementary School. Oh, oh, Jesus. Bob's choked up thinking about the young girl who should have been here with them celebrating. She loved people. She loved life. A life taken much too soon. God! Okay. Michelle, Fabian, and Jessica were all taken to the police station in order for them to be questioned. Fabian was interrogated by police for nine hours. And of course, the entire time, he insisted he did not rape or kill Victoria. Jessica refused to be interviewed without her lawyer present. And that's, that's her right. When Michelle was interviewed, however, everything changed. These are the main points that came out of Michelle's confession. Warning. Serious, serious warning. These details are particularly upsetting. According to Michelle and what she told police in her confession is this. Victoria was injected with methamphetamine in an attempt to calm her down. This was all so her boyfriend Fabian and his cousin Jessica could rape Victoria. Michelle then watched on. Oh my god, I can't. This is, this is, oh my god. She watched as her daughter was being raped by her boyfriend and his cousin. They then strangled her, stabbed her, and dismembered the young girl's body. In this confession, Michelle also stated that she had previously sought out men on the internet in order to come to her home and have sex 
with her daughter, Victoria. And she did this because she wanted to watch. <sighs> I fucking hate people. I'm gonna once again say this. Fucking people are trash. Michelle then confessed to committing some of the most heinous acts imaginable against her daughter. But she wasn't the only one who did this. Fabian and Jessica were involved as well. Everybody, including detectives, believed her. What resulted was a media circus and an even more so enraged public. I get it. I'm sure anybody out there who is a decent human being hears this case and is like, oh, what the fuck? The anger and the fact that you know your blood is boiling right now. Yeah, everybody else's was too. This case was fucked up. And all the details were coming from Michelle's mouth. The mother of the victim. The mother who stood by and watched. So to say the public was pissed? <laughs> That's an understatement. On September 8th of 2016, Michelle, Fabian, and Jessica were indicted on multiple charges, including, but not limited to, intentional abuse of a child, aggravated criminal sexual penetration, along with murder and tampering with evidence. Michelle's bond was set to one and a half million in cash, and Fabian and Kelly's was set to one million each. However, Building a case against Michelle and Fabian based on Michelle's confession was proving to be extremely difficult. This was because evidence including DNA samples, information from Victoria's autopsy report, and phone records pointed to a very different direction. What was that direction, Harmony? Well, stick around, buddy, because we're going that way. Come here. I didn't do nothing. Come here. There's some, there's some that went down. No, I didn't do nothing. Hey, stop. In the video, police confront Kelly, who is limping after jumping off a balcony. Why'd you lock the door? So we just heard a fire and went over the balcony, dude. APD officers were there initially that night after a call about a fire at the apartment where Victoria Martins lived with her mother, Michelle, and her mother's boyfriend, Fabian Gonzalez. What were you fighting about? She woke up and asked her daughter was... Uh -huh. I don't know where she's at, dude. Okay. No, we got her. She's in another apartment. Huh? Did you hit her? Did you hit her? Huh? Did you hit somebody? She hit me and I hit her back. As one officer talks to Kelly to get her side of the story, a couple of other officers go into the apartment, not knowing what they'll find. When they finally come out, their demeanor is changed. They seem upset. Hey, put it in your car, man. You're gonna My walk. broken. I just got thrown off the balcony. You didn't get thrown off. You jumped off. I saw you close the door. The officers then get a call from dispatch. You advise what we're looking at here, male, female, 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 Before they reach the officer's car, Kelly tells them there was another person with her in the apartment. Who else was in the apartment with you? I, another guy. I, 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 I. Where's the other guy? He took off. He started trying to wipe blood off, and they started panicking. Who's the other guy? Uh, uh, I don't know his name. They call him Lacote. So what really happened? 
On June 29, 2018, nearly two years after Victoria's murder, District Attorney Raul Torres took office in January of 2017, and he gave a press conference in which he made several astonishing announcements, which would all completely flip this case upside down. His office apparently came to all of these conclusions after a year and a half of analyzing DNA evidence, cell phone data, and conducting numerous interviews with independent eyewitnesses. The revelations in the case were this. Victoria was killed between 7 and 8.45 p.m. This is during the time when Michelle Martins and Fabian Gonzalez were not at the apartment. This apparently is fact. This goes against Michelle's confession. DNA was also found on Victoria's body that implicates a fourth person. Not Jessica, not Fabian, and not Michelle, but an unknown man. Raul Torres had this to say about these revelations. Quote, I recognize that these revelations are not consistent with the public's perception of what happened to Victoria Martins, but I want to share this information with you to help the community understand where this case is going and ultimately assist in the apprehension of everyone involved in this horrific crime. This is what is believed to have really happened to Victoria on August 23rd. At 4.35 p.m., Victoria is dropped off by the school bus. Somewhere between 4.35 and 4.45, Victoria arrives at the apartment. We aren't sure if she arrived by herself or if Jessica met her at the bus stop. We're not sure, but we know that Michelle and Fabian did not. Around 5.07 p.m., Michelle and Fabian arrive at the apartment. Victoria then goes to the gas station with Fabian at around 6.05. At 6.15, Victoria and Fabian return to the apartment. At 6.30, Michelle and Fabian leave and head to Paradise Hills. Around 7.02 p.m., Michelle and Fabian return to the apartment. At 7.05, neighbors see Victoria is very much alive. At 7.06 p.m., Michelle and Fabian leave the apartment. At this time, Jessica and Victoria are having a conversation with two neighbors. Between 7.38 and 7.59 p.m., Michelle and Fabian are in South Valley. They are not at the apartment. At 8.47 p.m., Michelle and Fabian return to the apartment. They then sit in the car and listen to music for a little while. You know, they're a little stressed. Being kind of a shitty person is, is a little bit tough. Sometimes you just gotta chill and vibe out. And that's basically that. Now I want to put together a painted picture of what happened. This is put together with a bunch of sources and outlets of what is said to have occurred. And it gets really grim fast. Okay, let's, let's begin on a mix of the facts, the evidence, and what sources state happened. I guess we're going to call this the theory of the final day. Of Victoria. Around 11.40 in the morning, Fabian and Michelle go to someone's house in order to get some drugs. During this time, Victoria is at school. It's claimed that the person they go visit tells them that Jessica Kelly should not be in Michelle's apartment because, quote, she's been acting a little weird. <laughs> One can only assume when you're high on meth. 
Then, around 2.30 p.m., Fabian and Michelle go back to Michelle's apartment, but they end up leaving again for some unknown reason. At 2.36 p.m., Michelle texts her mother asking if she can go pick up Victoria. She needed her to get her from the bus stop after school. At 2.37 p.m., Michelle's mom calls her. This is actually known. But Michelle ignores the call. Fabian convinces Michelle to ask Jessica to go ahead and pick up Victoria. Michelle's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know about that one. But Fabian tells her, it's okay, it's fine, she's my cousin, she's a cool cat. Promise, everything's gonna be okay. It's completely fine to leave your daughter alone with my cousin. Every other parent out there is like, <laughs> no the fuck it's not. But I mean, like hindsight, 2020. Then at 2.39, Michelle texts her mom saying she had it all figured out. So you know what? Don't even worry about Victoria. I got this. Then three o'clock rolls around and Michelle and Fabian go to somebody else's house. They're just having a day on the town. At 3.37, Michelle texts Jessica asking her to please pick up Victoria from the bus stop. At 4.08, Michelle texts Jessica again. However, she never gets a reply. At 4.35, Victoria is then dropped off by the school bus. We know this for a fact. At 4.45, Victoria arrives home. Again, we are not sure if Jessica met her and walked with her or if she walked by herself and got there. We just know she made it home. Then at 5.07, Michelle and Fabian arrive at the apartment. Around 6.05, Victoria goes to the gas station with Fabian. I know randomly I'm saying Fabian, <laughs> sorry about that. I really wanna say Fabio, but <laughs> I digress. And no, it's not because he looks like Fabio, it's just because of the name. It's claimed that around 6.09, Jessica has a phone call with her sister. She tells her that she's tweaking and that she's also hallucinating. For those of you who have no idea what tweaking means, it's being in like somewhat of an agitated and excited state. Typically, this is induced by amphetamines or stimulants, or what Jessica loved to ingest, meth. Around 6.15, Victoria and Fabian return to the apartment. Around 6.30, Michelle and Fabian go to Paradise Hills. At 7.02, Michelle and Fabian return to the apartment again. At 7.05, neighbors see Victoria is alive. At 7.06, Michelle and Fabian leave the home once again. This is when Victoria and Jessica are having a conversation with those two neighbors. From here on out, it is just Jessica and Victoria at the apartment. And then at 8.47, Michelle and Fabian return home. Now here is more speculation. Victoria's lifeless body is brought out of the apartment. She is being carried by Jessica down the stairs, wrapped in a blanket to conceal the body. Jessica then heads back up the stairs when she sees Michelle and Fabian have arrived. Michelle and Fabian do not notice this at the time. They are sitting in the car, vibing. Shortly thereafter, they head into the apartment. This is when Jessica approaches Fabian. She alerts him, Victoria is dead. Not exactly sure how that conversation went down, but this is what is possibly believed. Michelle is not included in this conversation. They then discuss that maybe the two should conceal the murder. They agree that they should clean up the crime scene and bury the body or something, you know, get rid of it. Fabian then distracts Michelle, telling her to go ahead and make dinner and then puts her to bed. If you know what I'm saying. Brown chicka brown cat. The two had sex. But here is where it gets extremely upsetting. 
Fabian and Kelly continue with their plan. They remove Victoria's arms with a knife. Fabian removes some of her organs and places them inside of a trash bag. They then cleaned up the blood as best they could. They put Victoria's remains in the bathtub. Michelle was most likely in bed during the duration of all of this. Fabian then laid down as well. It's possibly believed that he was in bed and Jessica came into the room. Came in and just uh, attacked them both with an iron. Hence, the wounds on the faces. Sometime between 1am and 4.30 in the morning, when the police arrived, Jessica removed the smoke detectors in the apartment. Also, just before police arrived, Michelle and Fabian leave the apartment. This is when it's believed that Jessica remained inside the apartment and sets fire to the body in the tub. At 4.30 in the morning, police arrive and tell Jessica to vacate the apartment. She locks the doors and jumps off the balcony. Or, as she says, <laughs> falls. Thus hurting her ankle. All three of them are apprehended. Police enter the apartment and find Victoria's charred and dismembered remains. <sighs> I, I, gotta, I gotta stop for a second. This is fucking brutal, man. Charges in the murder of that 10-year-old girl. They are two women and a man, all of them in their 30s. We're waiting right now for police to take two of them from police headquarters to jail. Police spent the past 20 hours trying to figure out exactly what happened to the little girl in a northwest Albuquerque apartment. We have crews following the developments tonight from the Arroyo Villas apartments. Gabrielle Burkhardt spoke to people who knew the little girl, but we begin first with Lizay Mitri and the arrest. Jessica, police have named three suspects tonight. They say Jessica Kelly, Michelle Martins, and Fabian Gonzalez will be facing charges. They haven't yet said what those charges will be or what their relationship was to the 10-year-old victim. Now, officers first got the 911 call at about 4.30 this morning. Police thought they were responding to a battery, but they got here to find a 10-year-old girl dead. News that's shaken this community. For you guys, that may not have seemed like a break. That was just a quick little audio clip about this case. But I had to actually take a bit of a break and decompress for a moment. This case is fucking brutal. It's intense, it's it just, it hurts my heart in so many ways. And as a mom, I, I hate going through these gory details for you. There are not a lot of parts of my job that I genuinely love. Do I like true crime? Yeah. But I like it because I want to be the victim's voice. There are really bad people in the world, and many people suffer at the hands of those people. And if we don't discuss what happens in the dark, then nothing can be brought to light. No changes can occur. No justice can be served. The point remains, if you do bad things and you don't want people to know, then simply do not do those bad things. As much as it pains me and turns my stomach and fucking gives me nightmares to do this research and sit here half of the time and tell you all of these heinous acts, people like myself do it every day because there are real victims to horrible, horrible acts around the world every single day. So please don't ever think it brings me joy to sit and tell you this because it doesn't. And with all that, let's talk about the autopsy of Victoria Martins and what it had to say about her death. Victoria's cause of death was manual strangulation, a compression to the neck impaired blood flow to the brain, leading to the loss of consciousness. 
and eventually Victoria's death. A number of Victoria's body parts were removed. I'm not talking about just like a finger or a toe. She was dismembered to say the least. Further refuting Michelle's confession, by the way, Victoria's autopsy did not show any presence of meth. A low level of ethanol was discovered, but this has been attributed to possibly forming during decomp. It was initially believed that Victoria was raped, but after re-examining the initial autopsy report, experts determined in January of 2019 that Victoria had not been raped the night she was killed. This doesn't mean that there was not any illicit behavior. It just means that her body did not show any signs of rape or penetration, not during the hours of that evening. Let me give you a quote. This is quoted by Mark Ernest, Jessica Kelly's attorney. In totality, these three experts that I'm talking about here have over a hundred years of experience. They determined that no sexual assault took place. Despite that, early on, the autopsy report in this case indicated that there was sexual assault. <sighs> Guys, it's so confusing. Tragically, the autopsy did show that she had an STD. So, it's confusing. We don't know if she was or if she wasn't, but she had an STD. Raoul explained that this was a result of sexual assault committed against Victoria, and this was reported in the weeks or months before the murder. So, she may not have been assaulted on the night that she was killed, but Victoria had been being assaulted, and these assaults were most likely of a sexual nature. Now, this is just my opinion. I believe that this could be why the original autopsy of Victoria stated that she was sexually assaulted, because she had been for a while. Just narrowing down the time frame was a little tough. Another thing that Raul Torres had to say was this. This is in regards to Michelle. She took immediate steps to identify and notify the relevant law enforcement officials, and as far as we know, severed contact with that person. But, 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 if she did report it, why was nothing done to protect Victoria? Now, there's not a lot of mention of any agency proactively investigating into her reports, none stating that her daughter had been raped. Not that I could find. I'm not here to negate any allegations of rape or assault, I'm just here to share with you the facts and what is out there. Contrary to Michelle's confession, Raul also said that there was no evidence that Michelle ever trafficked Victoria for sex. As in, ever put out any ads on the internet for someone to come to her home and have sex with her daughter. Babian's DNA was not discovered on Victoria's body, but rather the previously mentioned unknown man's was. It's really confusing, guys. Like, who, how, who, what? Like, did, did Jessica do it? Did, were Fabian and Michelle in on something? Who's this other person? Is it from the ad on the internet that is supposedly not have had happened? <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm extremely confused. You're confused. I'm fucking confused, bro. Me too. Her boyfriend are behind bars tonight. APD tells us Jessica Kelly is here at the hospital recovering from a broken leg after she jumped off a balcony on the second floor trying to escape police. What happened to this little girl? It's 
not, it's horrific. It's one of the worst things I've ever read in my entire life. A criminal complaint shows police got to the Northwest Albuquerque apartment after 4.30 yesterday morning to find 10-year-old Victoria dismembered, wrapped in a burning blanket in an attempt to dispose of her body. Victoria's mother, Michelle Martins, Martin's boyfriend of one month, Fabian Gonzalez, and his cousin, Jessica Kelly, face charges including child abuse resulting in death and kidnapping. I tried my best to protect Oh, Michelle and the beef. Gonzalez and Martins met on the dating site plentyoffish.com. Martins told police Gonzalez's cousin got out of prison days earlier and she let Kelly stay with them. She says her boyfriend and his cousin gave her daughter meth and she watched as Gonzalez raped and strangled Victoria before Kelly did more harm to the 10-year-old. Michelle, what happened? From my conversation with the detectives, um, no, there was absolutely no remorse on the mom's part. It's horrible. Being a mom myself, I could never imagine my child being in danger and to be at the parent who's putting your child in danger. Kristen Dowling says she knew the family until about a year ago and that Martins had been a great mother, but she recently took a turn for the worst. A couple days ago, I saw Michelle and she was a completely different person. In court today, a judge set bond for Martins and her boyfriend at a million dollars cash only. While Gonzalez was quiet today, last night he told us his cousin is to blame for Victoria's murder. I do have some expert insight into Michelle's confession. <laughs> no, it's, it's not my insight. I am by no means an expert at anything. When the interview with Michelle took place right after Victoria's murder, police did not have a psychological profile for her. Therefore, they assumed they could take what she was saying at face value. Looking over Michelle's confession transcript, Raul noticed many of the statements she made were contradictory. And she was often answering questions with mm-hmm or uh-huh, as though she was not absolutely sure of what she was saying. It indicated that she was being fed information and just kind of like agreeing with the statements that were being stated to her, rather than coming up with the facts for herself. The district attorney's office sought out the advice of forensic psychiatrist Michael Wellner. They got him to analyze what Michelle said during her police interview, as well as do an interview with people who knew her, in order to get a better idea of the type of person that Michelle really is. Michael Wellner came to the conclusion that Michelle is a very vulnerable person. People who knew her described her as a people pleaser, which kind of explains why she allowed Fabian and Jessica to stay in her home and pretty much do whatever they wanted. Michelle's lawyer also highlighted that she was a lower than normal person on the IQ scale. I said it like that because I don't really think that makes a difference in somebody, but that just is noted in this, this case. Some people believe that if you are lower in IQs, you're easier to manipulate and control. So I guess that's why that needed to be known. Also, according to Wellner, the officers that interviewed Michelle presented themselves as quote being on her side. Mixing with her naivety and Victoria's death, this led to Michelle admitting to having witnessed the crime without realizing that she was incriminating herself. Obviously, right? Now this is argued, it, it is argued, because in the course of questioning her about specifics going over details, the officers in the questioning did reveal certain details of the case that Michelle later incorporated into her story. Incorporating them into her story gave the impression of some legitimacy into what she was saying. That's a quote from Michael Wellner himself. 
According to Wellner, he states this, specific details were entirely accounted for by what she learned in the interrogation itself, opposed to what she knew going in. <laughs> we're still not done. This case is dark and confusing, guys. Dark and confusing. I went through a depression for up until now. I'm still going through it. Rachel Scott says she had just moved into this West Side apartment complex with her family five days before 10-year-old Victoria Martins was murdered. The day before the crime, she met her new neighbor, Michelle Martins. She invited us to her Victoria's birthday party that next day at two o'clock. And she asked if I had kids and I said, yeah, I have some kids. And she's like, well, bring them, you know, more the merrier. Victoria will love to have kids around. But that birthday party never happened. Victoria was murdered the morning she was supposed to have the party. At 4 a.m., Rachel and her husband heard someone banging on the door. It was Fabian Gonzalez. He wanted them to call 911, saying he and Michelle Martins had just been attacked. The guy's at our door saying he got beat up pretty bad. Then she says Michelle showed up at her apartment covered in blood with a gash on her head. I'm giving her a cloth to put on her head, a wet cloth to put the pressure on her forehead. She started wiping herself with the cloth with her legs, the dry blood. Rachel said Fabian had a black eye and a bloody sock. While they waited for police to arrive, Rachel says it was surreal. Was she crying? Was she? No, she wasn't, had no emotions. Uh, she didn't have no emotions. They didn't have no emotions. Rachel was worried. Victoria wasn't with them. That's all she kept saying was, I think they hurt my baby, my baby, you know. They threw my baby in the dumpster and no emotions at the time. As the morning went on, like all of us, Rachel learned Victoria was dead, brutally murdered, and the two people who had been in her apartment accused of doing it. There's always going to be a why. There's going to always be a why. You came to our door. Rachel and her family moved two days later. We did a lot. We, we tried to protect our children from this. And still are. My children are going through counseling because of this. After the revelations came out that Michelle's confession was in fact false and she was not at the apartment when Victoria was killed, the murder charges against her were dropped. On June 29, 2018, Michelle accepted a plea deal, pleading guilty to one count of reckless child abuse resulting in death. She faces 12 to 15 years in prison. Quote, while Martins was not home during the time of her daughter's death, she did have ample warning that her daughter was in danger. This was said by prosecutor Greer Rose, referring to the fact that Jessica Kelly was high on meth and had only just been out of prison for roughly a week. Raul Torres added this about Michelle. She's not innocent, but she's not a murderer. Quote, she did contribute to a situation that allowed her daughter to be killed, and she needs to be held accountable for that. And that's all he had to say. On January 7, 2019, Jessica Kelly accepted a plea deal. It was something that Raul Torres initially hoped to avoid, but came to the decision in the hopes that it would strengthen his case against Fabian Gonzalez. 
as well as help track down this mysterious unknown man, the man who is believed to have actually killed Victoria. On January 4th, 2019, the rape charges against Jessica were dropped. Jessica pled no contest, meaning she accepts the conviction but does not plead or admit guilt to six different charges, including child abuse resulting in death, great bodily harm, aggravated assault, tampering with evidence, and conspiracy to commit tampering with evidence. She could serve up to 50 years in prison as a result of this plea. As part of her plea agreement as well, she's agreed to testify against Fabian, her cousin, in case you guys forgot. So as of this year, you can find articles where they state about Jessica getting, you know, her sentencing and that Michelle would be sentenced, but I can't find anything after that. I can't find any updates on whether or not these hearings did happen. As far as I can tell, Jessica looks at facing almost 50 years, and I don't know about Michelle. But let's discuss Fabian. Unlike Michelle and Jessica, Fabian has not accepted a plea deal and is deciding to go to trial. Because the odds are ever in his favor. As with Michelle, the district attorney's office dropped murder and rape charges against him in the fall of 2018. He is charged with reckless child abuse resulting in death and eight counts of tampering with evidence. Now this may be shocking to hear, but Fabian was released from jail in November of 2019 after three years and two months. It's believed that he's most likely left to be under house arrest. All this while he awaits his trial. The deputy DA pointed out that Fabian's criminal record, remember, remember, it does have a felony child abuse charge and assault charge before Victoria's murder, are a reason to keep him locked up. Again, that's according to the deputy DA. She also referenced that Fabian's tendency to skip court dates and previous incidences in which he violated court order conditions of release should be noted. Judge Brown ruled that Fabian could be released. However, he cited the fact that Fabian was no longer facing the heinous charges he once was. He said that the state had not convincingly shown that Fabian poses a danger to the community. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think he does. Let's say, for instance, maybe he didn't have anything to do with the murder, okay? Maybe he didn't know about it. But somebody besides Jessica had to have known that there's a dead body in the tub. Somehow, somebody got in an altercation and there were some fists thrown or some objects and he got hit. I don't know what went down, but <laughs> I personally don't think that he had nothing to do with it. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Just had to share my opinion. Heinous or not, he was involved in some shit. And that shit <laughs> led to a heinous act. Victoria's death and dismemberment and body lighting on fire after the fact. So he's not innocent of anything. He's a bad guy, okay, bad guy, let's continue. Prosecutors did immediately file an appeal to the judge's decision. Now, sadly, update on Fabian. Although he's facing multiple charges in this 2016 death of Victoria, the murder charge was dropped and he was released from jail in 2019, according to articles. His trial was expected to begin on Monday, January 3rd of this year, 2022. However, the DA's office said that Judge Cindy Laus has reset the trial until summer, summer of this year in 2022. 
because of COVID exposure. The decision was made during an emergency hearing. So I don't know what's happening with him just yet. But I will give you guys an update soon. Well, <laughs> as soon as I can. Okay, now let's talk about this John Doe. Raul Torres's office has filed a fourth indictment, charging a man by the name of John Doe with Victoria's murder. Obviously, I know John Doe is just an acronym for unknown male. It is highly likely that Jessica knows who is involved, which means she knows who this John Doe man is. This is an account given by Jessica, so that doesn't mean that it's trustworthy, just know that she said it. In September of 2018, before Jessica was offered a plea deal, she told the judge that the night Victoria was killed, a man came to the door asking for Favo, which was Fabian's street name. Jessica says that she told him Fabian was not there, just her and Victoria were. The man then came into the apartment and killed Victoria as revenge for some sort of drug or gang-related incident, she claims. The man said to Jessica that Fabian, quote, messed up and knows what he did. Raul Torres has said that the DNA belonging to this John Doe, which was found on Victoria's back, likely came from skin, sweat, or saliva cells. It cannot be compared to samples in the federal combined DNA index system. Therefore, swabs need to be collected from each person of interest, all in order to rule him out as a suspect. And the hunt for this unknown male is still ongoing. I'm really interested to see what all happens and where this goes. Now, in case you thought we were done, we're not. Yes, yes, we're almost done, but not just yet. Because Victoria's grandparents, Michelle's parents, weren't done just yet. Dean Michelle Martin's interview with investigators goes on for more than 100 pages before she finally tells police more than they ever thought they'd hear. One of the most shocking crimes Albuquerque has ever seen. News 13 has obtained pages upon pages of interviews between detectives and Victoria's mother, Michelle, after her arrest. At first, she tells police she and her boyfriend, Fabian Gonzalez, were attacked in the middle of the night by Gonzalez's cousin, Jessica Kelly, and had no idea what had happened to Victoria. Detectives didn't buy it and told Martins that her boyfriend was telling police everything. He wasn't. Then she claimed she and Gonzalez left Victoria at home with Kelly, a convicted rapist who'd been staying with them for a week, and that Victoria had taken meth, left on the table, and died. So Gonzalez and Callie decided to try and dispose of the body and threatened to kill Martins if she called police. After hours of being questioned, Martins broke. She told detectives she'd watched Gonzalez and Callie sexually assault Victoria at least three times in the days before the murder. That's when one detective asked, quote, This time she died, and you weren't ready for the type of animals these people were. Martins replied, Yes, I should have stopped it then admitted she enjoyed watching men have sex with Victoria. Martin's parents insisted in an exclusive sit-down interview with News 13. This isn't the daughter they know. We didn't know our daughter to be anybody that would do something like this. Mm -hmm. And if there's evidence and she's found guilty, then she deserves to be punished like Just like else. the other two. She also admitted to letting two other men have sex with her daughter over the past six months or so. She named both of them. We asked APD if they'd been questioned.
information. She's worried she's a target because of the crime she's accused of. Saying that they're going to get arrested and stuff like that just to come in here and try and... They want to fucking kill me. Oh, and I don't deserve any of it. Well, I hope you're telling me the truth because it's all going to come out, Michelle. It's all going to come out. Let it come out. I hope you're telling me the truth. She says she's in solitary confinement, kept away from other inmates. All right, watch your back in there, all right? Yeah. Michelle Martin's mom makes it clear she is devastated. Her granddaughter, Victoria, was raped, murdered, and dismembered. That her own daughter is charged with taking part in the crime. Michelle tries to tell her mother she was good to Victoria. I know how I was with her, mom. I, I know how you were with her. I know you were. That's why everybody's in friggin' shock. Yeah. Everybody's in shock. Now, before I jump into this whole lawsuit that John and Pat did file against the city of Albuquerque, I want to share something. In my opinion, I understand completely why John and Pat would do this. However, I also think they should pause and take a look at their daughter. If you are going to hold one source accountable, you need to hold all sources. And what do I mean by that? Well, John and Pat in September of 2017 filed a lawsuit against the city of Albuquerque. They did this due to the claims not being investigated that were made by Michelle. The claims that her ex-boyfriend tried to kiss Victoria, therefore failing to protect their granddaughter. Okay, um, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it also does. I would understand wanting to go after the agency that failed to meet what they needed to do. There's no doubt about it, the agency that was responsible here failed. They did not investigate something that absolutely needed to be looked at. A grown-ass man making an advance on a young minor female, yeah, mm -hmm, look into that. But if you're also going to talk about accountability, you need to talk about those who are also responsible as well. I'm not stating that Michelle killed her daughter. Hell, I'm not even stating I know for a fact that Michelle had any idea that her daughter was deceased until a few moments before you hear her in that 911 call. I don't know, maybe that's why there was like marks on her face. Maybe she confronted whatever happened and she got her ass whooped. I don't know. But what I do know is she needs to have some accountability. And I mean this with the most respect possible to John and Pat. But Michelle had an ex that did something inappropriate with her child, which means there were red flags that she needed to look for and notice in a new partner or someone that was going to be around her kids. Once you are exposed to something and you get away from it, you often remember those red flags. And it seems as though Michelle did not see them and was covered by rose-colored glasses. I mean, she had to be. Her boyfriend was doing meth and there's definitely proof that she had to have known. But again, it's never been stated from her. It seems to me she plays a lot of the, I'm the victim, woe is me. As opposed to, I fucked up. I, I hung out with some bad people and I did the wrong things. Again, I'm not trying to trash talk her or her family at all. If I was ever with somebody and I saw them making inappropriate advances toward my children, absolutely I would press charges and I would call the correct authorities. It would also take me quite some time to want to date again. I would be more worried about my children. I would care for their mental health and not be on the prowl or looking out on plenty of fish at all. Now I'm not here to judge the choices that she made in her dating life. I'm here to state that she should have seen the red flags that were apparent. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. I don't know how many times I have said that saying in my head when doing research into these cases. 
So yeah, in my opinion, I do believe that John and Pat need to see that Michelle holds some responsibility for the murder of her daughter. Not saying she did it, but she has to have some accountability. Now, the Martin's attorney, Jason Bowles, would say this, quote, an adult man kissing a young girl that's dismissed as not important to investigate? That's shocking. But if you go further and know what they knew in their own files, they could have connected. That guy is a pedophile. Now, again, I want to pause real fast. What does that guy have to do with Fabian? That guy in that claim has nothing to do with Victoria's murder. Yes, it needed to be investigated, but the common denominator here besides Victoria is Michelle. And unfortunately, it's a sequence of unfortunate, unfortunate events made by choices due to Michelle that led to this. If she could have just shown up and gotten her daughter from the bus, not had left again and just stayed home, maybe Victoria would still be here, but she's not. Again, I could sit here and do what ifs and maybes all day, but let's get back to the case at hand so we can wrap this all up. So the lawyer of the Martins went on to argue that if police had even bothered looking into this boyfriend, they would have ended up finding out that he had actually been arrested in 2013 for attempted kidnapping. Which again, I told you guys about that. And again, I don't understand what it has to do with the actual murder, but they're upset about it, which it, it rightly so but I don't think it warrants from the correct place. In February of 2021, the lawsuit was dismissed by a district court judge. Now, it was filed just months before June 2018, when many of the revelations I told you guys about came out of the DA's office. All of how so much of what was considered to be truth in the investigation turned out to be false as a result of Michelle's false confession. So again, Michelle, not being held accountable, you know, in this whole aspect by her parents. I wonder what they're gonna do now. According to their attorney, they're going to appeal. I, I don't know. We shall see. And again, just like with Fabian, when I do an update about all of this in the future, I'll tell you everything. So until that happens, I'm not going to update this case. I want it all to be wrapped up and done. Of course, unless something absolutely major happens, <laughs> we'll just wait it out and I'll let you guys know in the future. Balloons, stuffed animals, flowers, shades of purple, Victoria's favorite color. Things she loved three years ago when she was about to turn 10. Things she would probably still love now if she was still alive, but we know she's not. She was taken from her family, her friends, our community three years ago. An unspeakably gruesome murder scene. Three years. And whomever did it is still a mystery to our investigators. For the first time, though, Victoria's grandparents are sharing their feelings. This was Victoria when she was about five, four or five, five years, years old. They came to the celebration of her life tonight with her ashes. Nothing but that. Memories and sadness. It would have been her 13th birthday, and instead we're coming here for a, a third year being brutally murdered. It's not good. John and Pat Martin said they didn't know about tonight's celebration until they saw it on the news, and they met with the organizer, a woman who never even met Victoria. It really affected me deeply, and I wanted to start a memorial to memorialize her and pay our respects. And we hold the candlelight tribute online so it can go everywhere. And we just want to let her know she'll never be forgotten.
You made it. I know, it's a, it's a really dark and rough case. Doing this kind of stuff for a living, it's really tough to constantly read about the absolute horrors and atrocities that humans commit every day. But when those cases center around children, it's, it's even more gruesome. It's, honestly, it's, it numbs you. You kind of have to grow this really thick skin to be able to do this research. So before we wrap this all up, I just want to say that I never really enjoy all of this. And I know some of these episodes are really tough to get through. But there are real victims here and they deserve to be heard. Their stories need to be shared. This case was extremely difficult to cover. Yeah, mainly because I'm a parent and the horrific nature of the murder of a 10-year-old girl just, it fucking broke something in my head for a bit. I had horrible nightmares and just I had to stop often when going through all of this research. There's really only a few cases that have left me very disturbed, and this was one. But not just because of that was this so difficult to get through. Another reason was because of the complex twists and turns that the investigation would end up taking, all because of the mother of Victoria. The victim, Michelle. Michelle and her false confession, and the details that she shared, those grotesque and gruesome, horrific, just ugh, details all of which were heavily believed, enraged the public to find out were false. Yeah, super happy that it didn't happen the way she stated, but also really pissed off that she would lie. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you do, because I'm sure you're right there with me. I personally believe that Michelle needs to be held accountable for a lot of her actions, not just that. So I do look forward to seeing what happens with this case. I do also think that Jessica should be buried underneath the prison, but... Sorry. I get it, she was on drugs. But for her, it was just a high. For Victoria, it was the end. So, <laughs> yeah. And don't even get me started on Fabian. I will keep you guys updated though as this stuff comes out. And I want to remind you that although this case was absolutely confusing and so complicated, it went ways that you didn't realize it was going to go. A fucking fourth person? The hell? Who is it? It's essential that those involved in Victoria's death face the appropriate charges. I know we can agree on that. It's vital that the person who did murder Victoria is brought to justice. Victoria's death was avoidable, and the conditions that led to this horrific murder must be examined, and they should be acted upon, fixed, and changed. CYFD claimed that they followed protocol, and that they sufficiently investigated each of Michelle Martin's reports. But if this is true, and what happened to Victoria still happened, then to me it seems reasonable to say that CYFD is in dire need of reform. Something was going on, and it needed to be investigated. Each year on Victoria's birthday, also heartbreakingly enough, the very same day she died, a memorial takes place. In 2016, it was held on August 29th. The crowd released dozens of balloons and blew bubbles into the sky. After the sun went down, attendees sang happy birthday. Every year this condition has carried on. I'm not sure how much it changed because of COVID, but I know the family still celebrates Victoria Martin's young life. And they continue to mourn and seek justice for the heartless death of Victoria Martin. <sighs> Guys, uh, <laughs> this case was a lot.
And I'd love to know if you have anything you'd like to say, add, or anything you know that I didn't mention. I know there's a lot that I didn't really get into. This case is still pretty fresh and currently still underway. But I went through a lot of the main aspects as this case is very confusing. But if you'd like to reach out to me about this case, you can do so by email. You can email me at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. And it doesn't have to even be about this case. If you know of any cases you'd like me to look into and I have not discussed, send me an email as well. Or maybe you know some urban legends you'd like me to look into. Some conspiracies. Maybe some hauntings. Really, anything that's creepy or of interest, I'd love to look into. Hell, send me your best Florida man. I'm serious. If you have some Florida man stuff, send that to me. Send me cases with humor as well. I do plan on doing a Florida Man Cases Part 2. I'd love to have a lot of viewers' cases sent in. And honestly, as well, if you do have some humorous, odd cases that you know of and you want me to look into, go ahead and send them my way. A lot of the cases that I do share with you guys come from you. Many of you do ask to remain anonymous, but if you'd love a shout out, let me know. If you send a case in and you'd like me to share that it came from you, I will do so. Just say something. Alright guys, I'm gonna head out and end this episode. I need like, I don't know, a shot or a swift kick in the head. Kinda wanna erase that I just went through all of that. Cause this was, this was heavy on my heart. So, like I said, if you made it this far, I appreciate it you guys. I always appreciate you guys sticking around and supporting the content and hearing all of the gruesome stories I have for you. True crime may be something that interests many of you. But the fact is, it's really grim. Some of the cases out there are just truly disturbing. And the case of Victoria Martins was one. So, until next week guys, I hope you stay safe and have an amazing week. Hopefully I'll have the next episode for you Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Kind of like this week. But I will be back next week with another tale of disturbing, disturbing news from around our world. Things that just leave you wondering, what the actual F was that? This is our reality, and it's more disturbing than fiction. Have a great week, guys. I love you. Good day, good evening, and good night. <laughs> Bye!